0: I'm so glad that about 30 years ago, the Lord took me just like I was. Amen. I love that song. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Fernando, for, uh, for leading. That was the first time that you've led the choir, isn't it? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, I have greatly, greatly missed being here with all of you uh, and I greatly appreciate the fact that we have a wonderful pastoral staff uh, that can step up in a moment's notice, uh, especially, uh, especially people like Rick Lohorn. Uh, poor Rick, I only gave him like 12 hours notice last Sunday and uh, he, just, he, just, he just walked in here and he just, he just gave a word. Uh, And so I appreciate that, uh, I appreciate that very much. So last week I was looking forward to being back after a long vacation, and I had, you know, a stuffy head, well I had a cold, so I thought, and I've preached with stomach bugs, I've preached with colds, I've preached with everything, and I thought, I've been gone, I'm, I'm preaching, and I thought, but you know what? In this COVID environment, I really need to, need to be able to tell everyone that I tested negative. So I went and took a test, and I wasn't negative. And I was so disappointed that I could not be here last week. If it would have been anything else, uh, any other sickness or any other injury, uh, I, would have, uh, I would have been here. But I couldn't be here. So I appreciate Rick. Uh, I appreciate Tommy filling in for me and preaching uh, the, uh, the sermon on Do Not Murder, That sermon uh, was filled with so many controversial topics, and uh, I'm so glad that I wrote that for him word for word so that he could just repeat it. Um, And no, I very much appreciate him tackling those were really hard topics. And then Micah, whenever he whenever he preached a sermon uh, about honor your father and mother, the first thing I did uh, was contact my mother and tell her how much I loved her and honored her. Such a great message uh, from all three of these guys, and uh, so I really appreciate them very much for that. Today, uh, we're going to be back in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we're going to look at the fourth commandment. And those of you who have been trying to, in life group, who have been trying to align your, your, your life group material uh, with, uh, with my sermon text, uh, I'm really sorry uh, about that. This is like the umpteenth time that we thought we were going to have this uh, this particular sermon on Sunday morning, and it got shifted. Uh, and so if you're in life group, you probably already studied and discussed the fourth commandment long ago, uh, but we're going to look at it today. I mean, after all, look, look around at what we're doing. Look around at what we're doing here today. We are gathered with God's people, we're singing songs about the gospel, we're praying, we're worshiping. And not just us, there are millions of people all over the nation that are doing exactly what we're doing right now. Now, time zones, not, uh, uh, t- time zone's notwithstanding, all over our nation right now, and really all over the world, People are doing exactly what we're doing. Christians are gathered together on the Lord's Day to sing with one another, to worship with one another, to listen to preaching, to pray, um, and to do all of the things that Christians do. Why? I mean, think about it. Have you ever asked that question? Why? Why do we do that? Why do we show up Sunday? Why do Christians do this? Why have they been doing it For 2,000 years, why have we been meeting on the Lord's Day? The answer to that question really can be traced back all the way through the New Testament and Old Testament history all the way back to the Fourth Commandment, all the way back to the Sabbath command. It can be traced back to Exodus chapter 20. And As we gather, and as all Christians have gathered, and as as we worship and assemble on the Lord's Day, what is it that we're looking for? I assume that some of us would give varying answers. Some people would say, well, you know, I show up to church today because I want to learn something. Or maybe people would say, I show up because I want to worship. Or I show up because I'm looking for direction. Or I'm looking for answers. Or I have something going on in my life and I have a need. Or I've had something great going on in my life and I want to show up I want to give God thanks. I I suppose that we all might give a, a, a myriad of answers as to why we attend church. But the truth is, behind all of those answers, regardless of what it would be, we are looking for a spiritual rest and a spiritual peace that is found in Christ. And we can trace that all the way back to Exodus chapter 20. That peace, that rest, we're going to talk about the Sabbath rest today, that rest, is something that foreshadowed Christ, something that we celebrate now and something that really points us to a future of permanent eternal rest, true rest that we're gonna have with God in heaven. Now listen if you decide in your heart, if you say, I'm going to seek that rest. I'm going to seek that peace of Christ. I'm going to worship with God's people. I'm going to uh, live my life, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. I'm going to live my life that reflects the rest and the peace of Christ. And I'm going to worship with God's people. If you make that decision, if you make that commitment in your heart, there's going to be a spiritual battle that's going to ensue in your life. Everything about this world is busy, busy, busy. Everything about this world is swallow up your schedule so that you don't have time for God. You don't have time for Him, not just on Sundays, but you don't have time for Him all throughout the week because you're so busy. You're too busy to read your Bible. You're too busy to pray. You're too, you're too tired to wake up early. You're too sleepy to do the things that you need to do in private worship in order to experience the rest that we're going to talk about today. The enemy wants you to be restless and distracted. That's what Satan wants for you. He wants you to be restless and distracted. But what we're going to see in Scripture today, starting with Exodus chapter 20 and this fourth commandment, is God has a different plan for your life. He wants you to be spiritually fulfilled. He wants you to be spiritually satisfied and rested. And he desires for you to be in fellowship and in assembly with God's people on a consistent and regular basis. My goal for you today, very simple. Two goals. Two goals that I have for you today. And I'll have them for you the screen. One of them, I want you to find joy in prioritizing Sunday as the Lord's Day. I want you to find joy in prioritizing Sunday as the Lord's day, as a day of worship, and not as a legalistic command. I hope that when you leave here today, you don't walk out thinking, I have to come to church more. I've got to be more faithful at church attendance. That is not my goal for you today. My goal for you today is for you to say, this is a joy and a privilege that I get to do, and I want to do it, and I want to be faithful. And then number two... I want you to find peace in prioritizing rest for your soul in a culture of busy schedules. This second goal doesn't just speak to Sundays. This second goal has to do with priorities and a manner of living, in our, living our life in a Sabbath rest that, that really uh, that, that, uh, that says something about who we are on the inside and the rest that God has given to you. Don't those seem like two good goals to you today? If you're okay with that, say amen. I don't want you to rest too much during this sermon, okay? We'll be talking about rest, but I don't want y'all, I want y'all to rest too much. All right, so let's read Exodus chapter 20. Stand with me. Let's read Exodus chapter 20, and we're gonna look at verses 8 and through verses 11. The, one, the great thing about the Sabbath command is you don't just have one sentence of a command, you actually have it expounded upon, and then you have a reason that is given for it. So let's, let's look at that today. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days, and here's the reason that's given for this command. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is is in them. And by the way, all my young earth creationists said Amen. Uh, In six days the Lord made heaven, earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Father, today I pray that you would make these goals that we've set out. I, I, I pray that they reflect your will. I believe that they reflect Uh, your will in keeping with your word. I, I pray, God, that you would help us to find joy in consistently and routinely worshiping with God's people. Lord, not as a legalistic command like we have to come to church. Help us to find joy in it. And God, I pray that today, Lord, as so many people I know just gathered in this place right now, Lord, they're busy, they're concerned, they have burdens. Lord, they have so many things that are going on in their life. Lord, they're not rested. They've had plenty of sleep, but they're not rested. Lord, they're weary on the inside. They're weary mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually. And Lord, I pray that today that you would help them to find peace. I pray that you would help them to find a Sabbath rest that's only found in Christ. And I pray that you would do that in all of us. And we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So. The way the Bible tells us, uh, and the Bible told ancient Israel to keep the, the Sabbath command, they said, remember it and keep it holy. Remember it. And keep it holy. Now, the way that they did it is that they would cease from any type of work or any type of labor. And the purpose for doing this was uh, obviously to give them physical rest. I mean, remember they had been slaves in Egypt; they had been oppressed in Egypt. They worked round the clock, sun up to sundown every day, nonstop. I mean, they were treated horribly. Uh, so God said, "You're not going to do any work on this day. You're not going to labor." And uh, we also know that there was some. some some emphasis that were placed on this day that had to do with the worship of God. So he said, you know, remember uh, the Lord, he created, he created the earth in six days, and, and then on the seventh day he rested, and so that's why you're doing it. So implicit in this remembering the Sabbath day was remembering their creator. It also had with, within the Sabbath this memory of this, this labor and this burden that they had in Egypt, and how God had delivered them from it. And so, the way that they remembered this, ancient Israel would set aside Saturday. They would set aside Saturday, where they would stay home and they wouldn't do any type of work. They would remember creation and celebrate the fact that they had been liberated from Egypt. So, this leads to some interesting application for us. All of the other nine commandments that we see in the Ten Commandments are reiterated in the New Com- in, in the New Testament, and then they're all they're almost made harder, they're almost made stronger. For example, Jesus said, "You've heard that it is said, do not murder,' but I say to you that anyone who is angry with his with his, with his brother is uh, is is in danger." And so we see that in the New Testament, but it, but in in the New Testament with the Sabbath command, we see something a little bit different. We don't see the 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 Old Testament Sabbath command reiterated in the New Testament in the same way. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we apply this? And there's three ways that we can approach this. Three views of how to approach the fourth commandment. And the first is called strict Sabbatarianism, strict Sabbatarianism. And it basically says that Christians are bound to celebrate a Jewish Sabbath on Saturday. And uh, this has been attempted by some Christians, and it basically establishes this moral principle for not just Jewish people, but for all people, that says if you work on Saturday, it's a sin. And you have to go to church and worship on Saturday. That's the universal moral principle. Probably the Christian group that is most well known for for a a strict Sabbatarianism or or let's just call it a Saturday Sabbatarianism would be Seventh Day Adventists. You may know some Seventh Day Ad, uh, Adventists. Um, most of us are not strict Sabbatarianism. However, um, if you are over forty and you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with this second view, which is called Sunday Sabbatarianism. You probably know ever used that word, but you've probably heard the term uh, Christian Sabbath. How many of you have heard the term Christian Sabbath? Anybody? Anybody? Not near as many people in this in this service as were in the first service. In the first service, we had a lot of people um, who had heard of that term. A lot of our older people go to our first service, and, uh, and they were brought up that way. I was too. I was brought up with the idea that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. And so all of the moral command to not work on Saturday that's in Exodus chapter 20, it's now transferred to... To Sunday and so now it's it's a sin how many of you grew up believing it was a sin to work on Sunday I, f- I felt that growing up like if I did any kind of work on so you're not supposed to do anything and then And I don't know what kind of fun suckers were out there during this time, uh, but somebody came up with this rule. It's also, you can't do anything recreational on Sunday. I was like, now wait a minute, that's just taking it way too far. You can't work on Sunday, and you can't do anything fun on Sunday. What? What? Um, and some of you, some of you probably uh, were brought up under that. Um, now, there's some problems with this view, and um, I, I hope not to insult anybody. You may, you may still be a Sunday Sabbatarian. It's a sin to work on Sunday. You have to come to church, and if you don't, it's, you may be that way. But there's some problems with this, uh, with this view. You can't claim to follow the letter of the law and then change the day that the letter of the law requires. So that's a, that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, and also nowhere in the New Testament is Sabbath law said that Christians have to observe Sabbath law. Jesus never commanded that. Um, in fact, the New Testament, and let me just let me just spit these, uh, these chapters out to you. Romans 14, Galatians 4, Colossians 2. Romans 14, Galatians 4, Colossians 2. These are warnings about making Old Testament Sabbath law into Christian law. And so that's, that's one of the problems. You think about it, I mean, we don't offer Jewish sacrifices. We don't worship in a Jewish temple. We don't adhere to Jewish dietary laws. We don't keep Jewish Sabbath law. You read all the Jewish Sabbath laws throughout Exodus and throughout Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, I can promise you, you don't keep Sabbath law. So this leads us to how should we apply this command. And this is the third way. This is, this is the way that I want to apply it for us uh, today. Number three, we observe the Sabbath principles Of worship and rest the Sabbath principles there are embedded in the fourth commandment principles of routine worship weekly and also rest and it foreshadows Christ and it foreshadows a lot of the commandments about worship and about rest that we see in the New Testament We see this fourth commandment is like a beginning introduction about God's expectation for worship and like a beginning introduction of what God commands for us when it comes to rest. It is more fully explained after Christ and in the New Testament and then after that, there's a pattern of history that we'll uh, kind of briefly mention as well. And so this is what we mean. We said it so. What we do is when we say that there's, there's principles, not legalistic law, but principles, we're saying that we set aside a time each week to worship with God's people. We, we celebrate what God did for us in Christ and the deliverance that we have from sin. We don't celebrate Sabbath like we were delivered from Egypt we celebrate the fact that we've been, we've been delivered from Christ. And we anticipate an eternal rest that we're going to have in heaven together. Just, just like this, whenever we, we gather together, we're going to do this for all eternity together. Listen, if you don't like church, you're going to hate heaven. Because we're going to be together all the time, and we're going to worship all the times, so and we're like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to go to heaven anymore." I'm telling you, uh, you, you you think you, you think it's gonna it's gonna be all reunion with loved ones, and I can eat all I want, and walk on the streets of gold. Listen, heaven is all about Jesus. It's all about worship, and it's all about being with other Christians. If that doesn't light your fire, you're excited about the wrong heaven. The Bible doesn't describe that. But also, uh, sorry, I hit a rabbit trail there. Um, also, the principle of rest that we see in the fourth commandment, it's more, than, it's more than just Sundays. We need to organize our week every day in a way that reflects the peace of Christ that should rule in our heart. This, this is more than just physical rest. The fourth commandment foreshadows a much larger... Read, read the book of Hebrews that talks about the Sabbath and talks about a Sabbath rest that is fulfilled in Christ. A fascinating study about studying the Sabbath through the book of Hebrews. So we want the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. We want to find rest for our souls. Isn't that more important than just getting a good nap? I I love naps. But I mean, there's something bigger at play here. Christ has given us a rest that is a spiritual rest. And so this is how how we observe the Sabbath by understanding these principles that are within this fourth commandment that are played out in Christ and given to us in the New Testament. So how do we observe the Sabbath? Two ways. Two ways we observe the principles, um, the Sabbath principles of worship rest. Number one is we observe the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? What's the Lord's day? What day is the Lord's day? I, I was about to say, somebody, please stop resting. <laughs> good, 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 good job, honey. I'm so glad you're not. I'm so glad you're not resting too much. The Lord's day is Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. This is one of the ways that we, we, we um, observe the principle of Sabbath law is we say we're going to observe the Lord's Day Sunday where we prioritize worship. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that today and a little bit of time that I have left. On number two, this really could be a two-part sermon, but number two is that we implement routine and planned rest in our schedule each week. Not just on Sunday. Sunday certainly is probably a part of that spiritual rest, but this is something that should be seen in a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle that we live. a Listen, a Christian lifestyle. That's what the Sabbath is about. It is about a Christian lifestyle where peace and spiritual rest and spiritual vitality and fruit is part of who we are. And these, they, listen, these two things go together. The spiritual rest that we're supposed to experience all the time and the Sunday worship, observing the Lord's Day, they go together. They're two sides of the same coin. You will, listen, you will not experience spiritual peace without both of these being a reality in your life. And I believe that God wants you to have peace. God wants you to experience that peace. So, okay, first off, what's the Lord's Day? Let's, let's talk about that. Here's, here's a definition that I have for you of the Lord's Day, and it's printed also in your bulletin. The Lord's Day is Sunday. I believe we've gotten, we've gotten away from using that language. We don't hear people talk about the Lord's Day anymore. We should wake up every Sunday morning and say, this is the Lord's Day. It's not just Sunday. It's not just another day of the week. This is the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is Sunday. It's the day that most Christians gather to worship and celebrate the gospel, to celebrate the peace with God that we have been given in Christ and by doing this what, what happens is when we do this we are commemorating Jesus' death his burial his resurrection and we are anticipating that perfect eternal rest that we're going to have in heaven that's the Lord's day and what we see in the fourth commandment sabbath law is we see a foundation that is laid for the universal worship of God by all people, not just by Jews on Saturday when they stay home and don't do work, but by all peoples and all tribes and all tongues, this moral universal principle of routine worship that we're all supposed to engage in. And And we've been doing it. We've been doing it faithfully. For 2,000 years, Christians have been doing this, and we've been observing the Lord's Day. And some of you would say, well, why Sunday? I mean, why not Tuesday morning? Why not Saturday night? Why not Wednesday at noon? Some of you say, well, why Sunday? Look, the Bible never says it has to be on Sunday. The Bible never says, thou shalt worship the Lord on Sunday. I don't think God wants to receive his praise that way. I think that he is worthy of our praise because we love him and because we want to worship him. He shouldn't have to tell us, hey, I need you to come sing songs to me because I deserve it. God shouldn't have to tell us that. We should say, Lord, you are worthy of my praise. And we should say, when is, when is it happening? When, when, when is when happening? When does the praise start? When does the preaching begin? When, is, when, when are we going to get together and pray? When are God's people going to fellowship? When are we going to organize ourselves for mission? When is that happening because I want to be there? And the answer to that question is, is it happens for the majority of Christians, it happens on Sunday. And it has been for 2,000 years. It's just when we do it. I don't know that it matters If it happens on Sunday or when it happens throughout the week as much as it is the fact that we say as Christian people I love the Lord I want to worship when are God's people getting together to sing and to preach and to pray and to organize for mission because I want to be there God is worthy of my praise and if it happens on Sunday then that's the day that we're going to prioritize and you say well why have Christians been doing it on Sunday for 2,000 years well, here's some possible explanations. Uh, Jesus' resurrection occurred on Sunday. Some of his appearances occurred on Sunday. Uh, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, that happened on Sunday. And we just see evidence that early Christians, dating all the way back to the time of Christ, uh, that they worshiped on Sunday. It's, it's, just, it's just when they do it, you may say, well, I don't like Sunday. Well, that's fine. Get together with a, with all the Christians on the face of the earth and say, hey, boys, uh, let's switch it back to Saturday. Or let's do it on Monday. And start a movement, and maybe 2,000 years from now, it'll be different. I don't know that it matters. As long as it happens, as long as we do it, as long as we make it routine. You see, Christianity, listen, Christianity is about worship. It's about worship. It's about public and private worship worship. It's about God being worthy of our praise. It is about worship as a priority. You know what a priority is? You make all types of priorities in your life. You prioritize family, you prioritize jobs, you prioritize sports, you prioritize rec- you know what you know what it is to make something a priority? You give it time, you give it money, you put it on the schedule and you protected. That's what it means to make a priority. See, Christianity is about having worship as a priority. Not just on Sundays, but every day of your life. Saying Jesus is the priority of my life. Secularism is prioritizing everything else. It's prioritizing everything else in your life. That's, that's, That's basically what it means to live in this world. And I believe our God is gracious. He has said You have six days to prioritize everything else in your life. Six days. You have six days to put family first. You have six days to put marriage first. You have six days to put whatever sports or recreation you like first. You have six days to put work first. You have six days to prioritize whatever it is that you want to do, and you know what? That's we do that. If I call you at eight o'clock tomorrow morning and say, "Hey, let's meet up for coffee," you know what you're probably going to tell me? Man, I'm sorry. I, I, I have a real job, and uh, I can't keep preacher hours and have coffee whenever I want to, like other people I know. Uh, you have a priority, right? You say, "I have a job. I got to go to work." There's a priority, and if I say, "Well," I'm all the preacher you got, and you're not going to meet with me? You're going to be like, "No, I got a priority. I got to go to work. I'll see you Sunday. That's what you would tell me. And uh, if, uh, if, if your child, let's say you were walking out the door, eight o'clock tomorrow morning, you're walking out to go to the office, and your, your beautiful you know, five-year-old daughter said, "Would you spend time with me? You know what you're going to say? You're going you're gonna to get down on one knee, you're going to say, "Honey, I love you, but I, I, I got to go to work." Now, if your boss calls you on Saturday and that sweet little girl has a soccer game and your boss calls you up and says, hey, I need you to come in, you're going to be like, look man, I work for you all week. I made a priority for the working all week, but it's, today is, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I can't come in. That's probably what you're going to do. If you call me or text me at 10 p.m. at night, I have prioritized something very important every night about that time, and it lasts about eight hours. And if you try to call me or text me while I have prioritized my sleep, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call you or text you at 5 a.m. when you've prioritized yours. You see, turnabout's fair play, right? We we make all kinds of things priority. That's what we do with our time. We do it all the time. God says you have six days. Six days to do all your work, to make everything else a priority in your life. But the seventh day, Sunday, Sunday, that's the Lord's day. That's the Lord's day. It doesn't mean that you can't do other stuff. It doesn't mean that you can't work. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun. It doesn't mean that you can't. It means that the top priority of that day is gathering with God's people, and worship. Not work, not family, not sports, nothing. There is a top priority. Now listen, um, I, I live in the real world. I understand that some of you is like, oh my goodness, uh, my, I have a career that has demands upon me. Look, that's what we call being providentially hindered, right? Sometimes you are going to be providentially hindered. There are obligations that you, you, just, you just don't have a choice. Maybe you work five days on and three days off, and sometimes you're five days on, or maybe you work three days on and two days off, and sometimes that works on Sunday, and you, you can't help that. I, I, we're, we're not talking about those situations. That's, 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 that's not what we're speaking about. We're speaking about, in your heart, making the Lord's Day Sunday. Here's, listen, here's, here's two false truths. Two false truths that Satan wants to embed in your mind right now two false truths. I don't need church. I can worship on my own. That is spiritual isolation and hungry lions love isolated prey. Spiritual isolation. This is what Satan wants for you. God doesn't want you out separated from his family. He wants you with his people, with his family Together. Satan wants you separated from God's church. And then, number two, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Basically, what you're saying is you're spiritually, dis- you're, you're too distracted. Are you too distracted to read your Bible and to pray? Are you too distracted to share your faith? If if you're too distracted to give the Lord just an hour and a half once a week with God's people, you're probably too distracted to pray. You're probably too distracted to share your faith or go on a mission trip or do anything else that the Lord has has called us uh, uh, has called us to do. He said, "Well, what do I do when I'm not driven to worship with God's people? This happens. This happens sometimes." That's why we call it a spiritual discipline. I don't always wake up and feel like reading my Bible. I don't always feel like praying. It's a spiritual discipline. It's something that we do that says, you know what, God, you are worthy of my praise even when I don't feel like it. You're worthy of my prayers, your word is worthy of my attention. You are worthy of my worship Monday through Sunday, every day of the week, even whenever I don't feel like it. And I I find that there's a connection between not having a desire to come to church and not engaging in personal, private worship. There's something about being a worshiper Monday through Saturday that makes you just feel like you just can't wait to meet with God's people and sing songs and hear the word preached. So that's the first way. is observe the Lord's day. And let me just mention. Let me just mention the second way. I'm just going to mention this kind of as an ending to this sermon. We have to implement routine and planned rest in our schedule each week. The, the fourth commandment is more than just about coming to church. The fourth commandment is about a rest for the soul, a lifestyle. It is about a Christian lifestyle where Jesus is Lord, where he removes fear and worry and anxiety, where he brings us to a place of spiritual peace, a place that that, that we have in Christ. This is where your private worship comes in. This is where you have balance in your schedule. This is where you say, I'm going to take charge of my schedule, and I'm going to make sure Jesus is number one in my schedule. And that means that I'm gonna make time, number one, I'm gonna make time to to pray and have private worship and read the Bible and be with my family. I'm gonna prioritize my time according to what the Bible says I should have as a priority. And listen, work and recreation and all of those things can be a part of that. But God tells us and shows us the things that we should prioritize first. God doesn't want you tired all the time. You know, there's a difference between being tired and sleepy. There's a big difference. Being tired is an existence. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's like a state of mind. It's like a, uh, it's, it's 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 an emotional state of being, more than it is a physical sleepiness. God does. it's it, it's more connected to stress and worry and anxiety and fear and all of those things. Most of the time when we say we're tired, we don't mean, oh man, I have worked a long productive day, oh I've spent time with God, I've fulfilled my responsibilities, I've worn myself out playing with my children, now I just want to sleep. You see that kind of tired is good and right. That kind of tired, you should, you should experience that kind, of, that kind of sleepiness every single day. You've fulfilled your responsibilities, you have been in fellowship with God, you've done the things that you need to do, and you feel good about where you are, and now you are sleepy, and you fall, but your, head, your head didn't even hit the pillow when you're asleep. But God doesn't want you tired, He do not want you stressed. He do not want you worried. He do not want you to live your life in, in fear. that's that's not the existence he he wants you to find rest for your soul he wants you to walk in the peace of Christ and here's probably the truest thing that I could tell you today true worship and true rest are only found in Christ true worship and true rest can't be found in legalistically showing up for church every Sunday that's not true worship. You know, you can show up for church faithfully every single Sunday, every time the doors are open, and never really worship. It happens all the time. Some of you might say, that's where I am. I've been coming here over and over and over and over and over, and I just still feel, I just, I just feel nothing inside. You, you, you can show up week after week and still not truly worship. You know that you can also, you can, you can perfectly manage your schedule. You can get 10 hours of sleep every night. You can be in complete control of everything that happens all throughout your day. And everything can happen perfect. In a whole week or a whole month, you know, you can still, be, you can still have a restless spirit. You can still not be totally fulfilled within your soul. You see, this is what the Sabbath is all about. This this Sabbath rest that we see in the fourth commandment, it's so much bigger than just showing up for church. It's so much bigger than just managing your schedule and getting sleep. It's about finding rest in Christ. Again, read the book of Hebrews. About everything that the Bible talks about in that. You can cease from working every day of your life and still be tired. You can attend church every single Sunday and not truly worship. Listen, when your heart is right with the Lord... You will find that attending church will not be a burden. You will find that your days throughout the week, even though they may be laborious and worrisome and just wearisome, you, you may, you, you'll find that there's still a rest for your soul that you can have even whenever you're overworked and when you're busy. See, when we have Christ and when we're properly related to him, weekly worship is a joy and a privilege. And consistent rest in life, it just becomes a natural rhythm of a spiritual life where Jesus is Lord. You might say, Well, I want that. You know, you know how you get that spiritually? You cease from your works. The New Testament talks about that. That all, that our, it's not our works by which we save ourselves. See, we can't approach the Sabbath command that way. If you walk out that door saying, I am going to try so much harder to come to church more faithfully. I am going to go home. I'm going to pull up my calendar and I'm going to x out so much so that I can take control of my life. Can I tell you that that can just be that can just be a legalistic work that you try to perform apart from Christ? Apart from Christ, you'll never find peace. You'll never find worship. We've got to cease from our works. We've got to say, Lord, I give up. I surrender. And then we look to Christ and find rest. Maybe that's where some of you are today. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's have a time of response. If you would say here today, I don't know that peace of Christ. I don't know that rest of Christ. I understand trying to force myself to come to church. I understand trying to time management.